Welcome to the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I interview business leaders who are committed to their own growth and the development of everyone on their team. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and those of you that are longtime listeners of my show know how much I love bringing to you people who are committed to their own development, as well as the development and growth of the people in their organizations. And today I have someone really special who's an amazing person at doing both things, and I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Eli Bendit-Tacher. Dr. Eli, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here too, and I first want to give a shout out to our mutual friend and colleague, Hillary Miller, because she's the one who suggested that we connect. And I'll be forever grateful to her <laughs> for doing that because you are Same. such a special person. I um, am so excited about introducing you to my audience. Before we start our conversation, I do want to tell them a bit about you. You have an amazing history in um, <laughs> the world of education and work. Eli is currently the head of global learning and development with Wix.com. He has more than 21 years of international experience in both technical and educational leadership positions. His career path has been varied and extensive, and it includes global talent management, human resources, learning and development, coaching, mentorship and leadership, people and performance analytics, product development, data analysis, and storytelling. And as a scientist who believes in data as the driver of the best business decisions, Eli presents a unique approach to learning and development that drives organizations to be on top of industry standards in today's new workplace era. So, of course, Eli, the question I want to start with is this amazing journey and transition you had from getting a PhD in physical chemistry and now being in the world of learning and development. So fill in the gap there. How did this happen? Yeah, you said so many things. I feel so old now, but uh, I'll chime in about my whole non-traditional background to become an L&D professional. I think that first and foremost, I'm a nerd. So this is who I am. Uh, at school, I was always like the nerdy kid. I used to be, you know, math whiz and physics and science. And I just loved that. Um, and I was lucky enough to have very inspiring teachers to follow my uh, ongoing learning adventure. And I was always fascinated about um, that sense of, okay, now I have these amazing teachers that really brought me to where I want to be. But the problem for me was that, okay, I I love that. I love science, but I also uh, am a very people's person. So I I went to do 
uh, a PhD in science because I thought, oh, maybe I want to be a professor. I also want to inspire people and and teach people and and be that inspiration. And my teachers and professors also inspired me um, in my uh, uh, in my early age learning till my adult learning. So. Um, but during my PhD, what was really interesting, I love the teaching aspect of things. But what I've seen is that, you know, science courses in physics, math, chemistry, they haven't changed at all for years. It's not like marketing or computer science where, where you know, there's a progress with, those, with the curriculum all the time. But physics hasn't changed. Math hasn't changed. So professors have been teaching the same kind of way of teaching science for 60 years. But what they haven't really thought about is that, uh, the students have changed. They're now different people, millennials, Gen Zs. And then I thought about how do I bring a science teaching to, to the new uh, era of, of, of millennials and Gen Zs? How do we connect them to that? And we had to change the way we teach. So I pretty much changed the way you approach teaching science for um, uh, undergrads and graduate students. And then I thought to myself, oh my God, I made this like really cool, uh, uh, revamping of, of old school courses, um, can I take those skills to the corporate world? Because it is still adult learning, but in a corporate world where the problem was that I was not a subject matter expert anymore. So because in the university, I was a subject matter expert. Now I don't. But because I'm such a lifelong learner and I love learning new things, I'm getting bored very quickly with everything I do usually. So it's like, do I want to teach the same courses for years or do I want to continue learning develop myself and create new learning materials and learn myself um, about the new technology, about the new uh, uh, tech. And, and, and this is where I find myself doing learning development for the tech industry. And this is really by chance that um, I met someone that worked at a company and they saw what I did at NYU and they said, wow, can you do it also in the corporate world? And they gave me an opportunity. I, I went there and since then, this is what I love doing. I love learning. I love creating learnings. I love to inspire people and help people. This is what gets me every morning with whatever I do at work uh, is I can help people develop themselves personally and professionally and prepare them for uh, their career. Well, I love your enthusiasm and uh, your passion for what you do. Based on this background that you brought to the corporate world, what would you say differentiates you from some of your other learning and development colleagues in the profession? I think I bring, first of all, research, uh, scientific research background. So I know how to do research. Uh, I know how to work with big data. In science, I did a lot of big data. Uh, you know, I would do an experiment. I would get a lot of data. I would interpret the data and get to some meaningful conclusions. So I'm bringing a very tech-savvy approach, very data-driven approach, uh, very, you know, research oriented. So I'm not just creating things just for the sake of creating things. I'm really thinking about, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? What kind of data I can collect to make sure that what I'm doing is meaningful and impactful? So all these things are so, so, so critical in today's L&D environment, because otherwise um, you won't be able to show any impact value or ROI or ROE, which is very crucial uh, to justify what you do in L&D today, especially in these times of recession and, and, and unknowns. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting you say that because I know when you um, joined the folks at, at Wix, you worked 
magic, really, to uh, get the trust of the CEO. And I would love yeah. for you to hear because a lot of times, you know, many organizations, learning and development is seen as a nice to have. And, and one of the things I admire so much about what you've done is you've helped position L&D yeah. as a must have. And so I would love for you to share, because I think this is really important for everyone listening to understand, how do you do that? First of all, you really uh, made a good point here. The trust for L&D is so crucial. And this is what every L&D professional has to obtain very quickly early on when they're joining a new org. And we cannot really afford any mistakes or big fails because if you fail once, I mean, in order to get more money, resources, or headcount, I mean, that's going to be very, very difficult. I think what's really important today is to, first of all, think about how you change the perspective of l departments to be revenue-generating department and not nice to have. If you want to do that, you really need to think about L&D as a business. So you really need to think about ROI, or at least ROE, uh, return of expectations. You really need to think about, am I bringing value to the business? And in order to do that, um, I'm, I'm thinking about everything from who I hire, the roles I'm, I'm, I need for to be successful, um, even taking the projects. I mean, which project I should, should I take? I mean, I have to make sure that the projects I'm getting um, are going to create a big impact and, and move the needle in the business. I mean, this is what you need to start with. You need to start with the quick wins, baby steps, but really make sure that what you're doing is spot on. And this is why I do a lot of A-B testing, for example. So when you do A-B tests, it's pretty much testing uh, between two groups. You have a control group, you have a test group, pretty similar groups. I'm trying before I launch anything big that, that means a lot of investment and, and launching a big scalable program globally and which is a big company with a global footprint. Um, before I do anything, I need to try it in, in a small scale and make sure that um, the expectations we have post that program are being met. And then when I do that, I make sure that, okay, these things worked and we... I, this is what I expected of, of, of having. And now let's multiply it by the other amount of people that can take that course and what impact that will bring globally. If I can put a dollar sign next to it, I, I will. Some, some trainings, you can put a dollar sign to it and really calculate ROI. Some no, but at least, you know, we're setting up the expectations in advance of what kind of behavior change or what kind of impact we expect that training to bring post-launch. Uh, and we also need to think about how we can measure that. It's not just about, oh, I think that will happen. No, we need to set up expectations and set up the ways to measure it so we can actually post, do a post-mortem and understand, okay, uh, do we see ROI here? Do we see the impact we expected? What does that mean business-wise? Uh, so whatever I think is really about delivering the goods and having data objective data to support my claiming. It's not like, oh, everybody just enjoyed training. No, you have to know what kind of data to collect, what kind of data is relevant to the business uh, um, output we wanna, we wanna achieve. And then knowing how to communicate that to leaders to understand, you see the impact, you see the value. This is what I bring to the table. If you give me more resources, more money, more headcount, 
that can be even multiplied. So showing the potential and just making sure that they see it. That causes me to want to ask a couple of other questions that I think are, are really important. Number one, what are some of the kinds of things that you do measure? Because I know smile sheets at the end of training <laughs> means nothing in terms of impact. And number two, what are some of the ways that you follow up from training to make sure it does stick, that it does result in changed behavior that gets the results that uh, other folks are looking for? Yeah, I mean, a lot of LMD people use the Kirkpatrick model. Everybody knows about it. Everybody loves it. And, and, and again, LMD is very limited to the first party data that we can collect. But there's also second party data that is out there in the company but again, you need the buy-in and the trust to get your hands on it. So the, the, the type of data we can collect is obviously things that are relevant to um, if people enjoy the learning, if people actually learn something. Uh, the, the, the tricky part is to measure behavior change and the business impact and the, and the ROI. And this is where you need to partner with the right people to collect that data. So if you know, you're doing a, an L&D project, right? And you have the stakeholders, and you want to achieve a certain change. And again, you have to understand what kind of data you can collect. So sometimes it's business KPIs. And that's very, very easy. If it's any type of business role, like account management, sales, uh, support, customer care, things like that, it's easier to, to measure because those people uh, are being also measured by their performance. And there are some performance metrics that, they're, that they can be measured. And you can go back and, and make sure that you know, the, the change you expect it to have, you see it within that group. So when I do A-B testing, I say, let's, let's say, for example, uh, we want to support people to answer double the amount of tickets in the same time, right? So that will obviously has a dollar sign next to it because this is money and everything. So I'm thinking about, okay, uh, how much I need to invest in training that will give me that ROI. So sometimes it's really about what type of training we need to do, what kind of format, how much time we need to invest we need to also calculate the offline time of training. So it cannot be too long because people cannot be too, too long offline because that's also money. So you need to think about what is the business output or performance output we're expecting and to measure that. So let's say we have two groups and we give that training to one group and then the other one and then we're trying to understand if we see any change in the performance. And again, we're looking at the data right a, a month after we launch the training and then we see if there's any change. And we can also argue and say, but how would you say, would you think that only the training contributed to that success? Maybe there are other parameters like the manager, other tools, because there are still two, two groups can be as similar as possible, but there's still some differences. So we also do a lot of reflection uh, surveys and trying to make, uh, un trying to understand from the employees themselves, what helped you this month to succeed in your job? Is it your manager? Is it the training that you got? So if we see a lot of contribution from the training, we can say we had a major contribution from the training perspective. So we can actually try to isolate the specific contribution of L&D to the business output, even though obviously it's usually not 100% anyhow. But at least I can evaluate it and also I can put a dollar sign next to it. Also performance-wise, I mean, a lot of people have performance reviews and they have career path uh, analysis and things like that. We also have internal mobility. If we want to, people to move internally, we're creating these learning paths for, for them. And we see how many people actually 
took trainings and were able to move to a different role based on the learning they, they received. So there are a lot of um, data you can collect, but you need, again, to understand by the business output, by the behavior change you want to create, what type of data I can actually now uh, uh, collect that will support that. But again, you need the buy-in. I need to make sure if it's salespeople, I need the, the VP of sales to give me access to the sales uh, data. If it's something about that, that's performance KPIs, I need to, to be, um, uh, I need to see that data as well. If it's performance reviews or exit review or, or exit interviews, whatever it is, you still have to have access to the data because as L&D people, we don't own all that data. But again, that's where the trust comes in. If people see that what you do has impact, and if you're able to show the impact, you get more resources that will benefit them, those groups, those employees, those managers will give you that data happily because they know it will do good for them. Mm -hmm. This is great. So let's go circle back again to this establishing trust with the CEO. So the data is one part of it. What else is involved in gaining that trust? First of all, I think you really need to understand the business. I think this is something that L&D people and also HR people are not necessarily very, you know, well uh, uh, educated about the business itself, understanding where the company wants to be in a year from now, in two years from now. Is there any pivoting? Are there any changes, reorgs? Because by the end of the day, we need to be a crucial uh, factor with every business decision that the company makes. But you need to have that visibility. So you need to really build a relation with the CEO and also the leadership and the C-suite that understand that your uh, involvement uh, within every business decision is crucial because you have a lot of insights and a lot of um, uh, you know, ideas of how to bring their vision, their business vision to life. Because by the end of the day, you know, uh, a CEO once told me, what if we invest in, in, in the learners uh, so much money and then they leave? And I said, just think about it. If you, if you don't invest and they stay, you have you know, people who don't know what they need to do. Uh, and during COVID, where a lot of L&D people, they were like the first thing to, to cut off. But during that time, a lot of companies needed to pivot and change and reorg. But then if you cannot educate them and give them the right training and learning to be able to handle those changes and to handle those pivoting and to handle the, the change in business or wherever the, the direction the company is going to, you won't be able to move anything forward. So I think L&D is the last thing you want to, to cut if uh, the company is in a place of, of distress or change or, or anything else. And and this is what you need to do. Really understand the business and show the, uh, the CEO that you do understand the business. Because if he understands that you understand the business, he knows that you are able to know what kind of training they need to bring the business goals this year uh, to be fruitful. Mm -hmm. Excellent advice. Thank you. I want to zoom in now to your own leadership with your own <laughs> Because one of the things I know that you did is you created your own department values. You called yeah. them the 10 commitments. So I want you to describe yeah. why did you do that? What were the benefits and what does that mean in terms of how your team operates and works together? 
So first of all, I'm a huge fan of uh, pretty much um, you do what you preach, right? So I cannot preach for lifelong learning and everything, but not have it within my own team. Um, I also wanted something to unify us as a team, but still it needs to somewhat uh, be aligned with the org's uh, values because the org's values are there. And our Ten Commandments are not like, okay, this is our own value. This has to be aligned with the org's values. But we still are, as I said, we are a business. I see ourselves as a company within a company, right? So we need to have our own values, our own way of doing things. Um, and this is something we came up together as a team. This is not, okay, these are the Ten Commandments, you take it. No. And al also, this is a living and breathing document, meaning we changed a few of them uh, in the past uh, couple of years. Because as we grow, as we change, those principles also change. This is not something that um, is just like a set in stone. And um, I also believe, and this is something that's very important for me, um, in diversity. And if you go to um, uh, see my team, we are a very diverse group of people, age-wise, ethnic-wise. I mean, it's very, very diverse. And... And this is where, um, in my mind, we had to have something that does unite us together. The kind of like the common thread for all of us of how to work together. And, uh, you know, embracing that we're different, but still how we can all work together in harmony and what really unifies us as a team. Uh, so we're, our biggest one is like the get shit done. Uh, driver, uh, is our driver. Uh, learning lifelong learners because we are also, and this is what we promote, and this is what we preach for, and this is what we also need to owe ourselves. And and one of the things I really love is make it work because Wix is a place where change is constant and uh, curveballs being thrown at you all the time, and and also something that will build trust with the CEO is, is never say no, just say let me check, let me see if it's it's possible, I'll make it work. And sometimes I'm getting these crazy, crazy projects. It's like, there's no way I'm going to finish it on time. But then, you know what? We'll make it work. And somehow we find a way to make it work. We're being innovative. Uh, we, we, we're trying to make things work as best as we can. Again, we are unified as a team. Uh, we are here for each other. And this is something that uh, really differentiates us from other teams within uh, the, the company. No, I'd like to take a minute for you to share what Wix does. Some of my listeners may be very familiar with <laughs> and even use the service, but others may not. So because yeah. you it, you serve a huge number of people and I think it will help give people perspective on all the balls you have to juggle yeah. to get your job done, done in L&D. Another thing that, you know, when I take a role at a company, I really have to believe in a product and its mission and how it helps people. Uh, Wix, uh, Wix.com is uh, a company that anyone can create their own website for whatever uh, reason or whatever business they have. It could be someone who's uh, doing uh, yoga classes. It can be a restaurant, a munch and pa shop, um, anything from small business to even big and enterprises. So uh, if you want to create your own website for free, you can do that. There's also premium options, obviously. Uh, but we believe that in today's world where all the internet is booming. And I think during COVID, where people had to stay at home, um, they had to find an alternative way to make a living. And Wix helped so many people to easily create their own website and to be able to really uh, create new businesses 
and, and, and survive and thrive during that unknown time. And I can't even tell you the amount of, of, of clients who called us and said that we saved them from, being, from going bankrupt. And we saved their business. People who had stores, now they can create an online store. They can sell their stuff online and not just on their store because all stores were closed. Mm-hmm. So um, this is like a great solution. I also used Wix even before I joined Wix. So I knew what they do. And also, um, I love their values. I think whenever you choose to work for someone, it's really important that uh, the brand and the company's values resonate with your own. Um, some of the things are really, you know, Work in transparency. Um, this is exactly even some of our guiding principles in in my team. Um, it's so important that we just all trying to be uh, winners, no assholes. Really work together and and with transparency and trust. And this is something that um, I immediately resonate with. And I just love the product, the people I work with. It's just been amazing. And you have approximately how many clients around the world? Wow, a lot. I mean, a hundred and something million, maybe more. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, this is a global company. We support almost all languages you can think of. Uh, so it's it's just beyond. We're we're helping so many people, and uh, again, even people who don't have any experience with building a website, they can easily do that. Um, and that's just great. So yeah, I also have my own website uh, by Wix. <laughs> And my daughter actually created her own website as well during COVID because she's really into, um, you know, green uh, uh, world and, and, and helping animals to create her own Save the Turtles uh, website. Uh, so if she could, could do a, a, a site with Wix, anyone can. That's great. I love that. Because uh, she's pretty young, I would guess, right? Yeah. she's She was nine at the time. Oh. That's that's very cool. That would be quite user friendly, I would say. Then, if a very user friendly, very. So, thinking about the expansion of your team, you have grown from I think you had said fifteen to yeah uh, f- to like so, triple. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's crazy. Yeah. Talk about how you have handled that growth. How do you? hire people to be sure they will be a good fit with everyone else on your team and within the company? Yeah, I, I think when I joined Wix, um, I joined when there was nothing basically uh, on, on L&D. I mean, there is OD, the separate team, uh, but they're doing mostly like organizational all a company development and management training and leadership training. Uh, but I'm doing most of the practical uh, specific role L&D. So um, I had to kind of gather people. So literally, I, I interviewed people within Wix to help me build that department from scratch. And I had 15 people. And, and all of a sudden, I said, okay, we need more. We need more. Even my boss says, what you're doing is amazing. I, wanted, I want more and faster. So we just hire, hire. And it, was, it was a time where I used to introduce new team members every week. Um, and you know, I also wrote about, um, the new L and D professional persona on LinkedIn, uh, and how I hire people. Uh, so there's, first of all, I have to see passion in their eyes for learning. Uh, they have to be lifelong learners. They have to really love helping people with learning. 
and really understand the value and what it brings to someone. Um, you know, I always say I'm preparing people for their next role, even if it's within, in, within Wix or outside of Wix, because today uh, the young generation need to feel like the company invests in their own development and not just on the job development. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything is really quick and fast and they want everything now. Um, I'm also looking for people who will challenge me. I don't, I'm looking for a yes person. Uh, I'm looking for someone that will challenge me to bring a different skill set than mine. I want to learn from my own employees. So um, I'm, I'm looking for someone to complement the skill set I already have within the team. So before I hire, I really do evaluation of the team I have. I say, okay, what's missing personality-wise, um, uh, skill set-wise? Um, I'm looking for talents. I'm looking for people where I like the diamond in the rough sometimes. Obviously, for some roles, I need a minimum specific skills. But in, in some um, uh, roles, I look for unicorns. I look for people like we can, we can shape and, and bring them to be an L&D professional from scratch again. But again, I have to see that, that passion, that this is what they're excited about. And also, I need to see some of our guiding principles uh, methodology with, with, with that person as well, because eventually you need to gel within the team. You need to work with those people. You need to really, uh, it really need to resonate with you. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a very non-traditional, uh, interviewer and a lot of people in my, in my department will say, I'm just like really trying to get to know the person and what drives them and what uh, makes them want to wake up in the morning and go to work because this is what I'm experiencing. I mean, I love what I do because I'm creating impact, not just to the business, but I'm impacting people's careers and lives. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, that's 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 my kick. <laughs> you know, I love what you said there, Eli, all the different things that you mentioned in terms of what you look for and how you go about hiring people, looking for the gaps within your own team and not having people that affirm everything, but that actually challenge you. And I'm just curious, what's that look like on a day-to-day basis? If somebody is challenging you, what what idea might you present if you could give an example? Because I think sometimes people are hesitant to question, uh, depending on what their cultural background is. How, how does someone present a challenge in a way that's respectful and that makes it possible for you to really hear them and be open to their ideas? I don't know if you remember, but you remember the the challenger that uh, went boom in the air, and you know why it happened? Because that some people were afraid and hesitant to say that there's something with a small o-ring there that uh, was the problem. So um, I believe again that in order to create um, a product or an output that will resonate to as many people as possible, I need as many input as possible from as many people as possible. So we're trying to do a lot of brainstorming and not shush or quiet anyone. Everybody needs to be heard. Everybody needs to feel safe. Because when you do, um, uh, you know, storyboarding and you do the brainstorming, um, there, we, we have a rule that there's no stupid questions. There are no stupid ideas. You just have to say everything. Um, and it doesn't matter who says that. We're just going to go through all the ideas and make sure that Everybody's heard, and sometimes it's going to be a combination. I'm not, even though I am the decision maker per se. Uh, there's a lot of th- a lot of times that people were saying, "No, we should go that way," and I took that um, because I love to be persuaded. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, I have this sense of, "Oh, I think I know 
what's the right direction, but sometimes I don't. And it's totally fine to say, I don't know. And, and it's totally fine to have really crazy ideas because if you don't have crazy ideas, you won't be innovative at all. And, you know, it's kind of funny when I start with, with what I did and we start doing some trainings, everybody's like, oh my God, these trainings are awesome. It's great. And if you keep up doing the same, they're just going to be bored. And it's like, okay, we, we got it. It's all very templatey now. We used to it. You know, you always have to provoke their thought. You always have to bring something new. Every course has to be different and feel fresh. Um, because again, we want to try to create trainings in a short amount of time and also have uh, as minimum offline training time as possible, but still have the biggest effect possible <laughs> with performance enhancement and, and whatever the, 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 uh, our goal is by, by the end of it. I always say when we create a training, think about what do you want that by the end of this training, your audience would know, think, feel, and do. Follow these four questions and we'll figure it out how to make that happen. So you really need to really uh, think about these things before you do even anything. You need to understand the audience first. I mean, it's always like, know the audience, know the audience. And then, okay, what do you want them to know by the end of it? Think, feel, because training can provoke emotion. And if there is an emotional experience or something that will provoke something, it's going to be memorable. And also, the most important thing, what do you want them to do afterwards? Is it just going to be, oh, that's a nice to have, that's a nice training. It's like, okay, what am I going to do with this tomorrow? Um, and this is what drives us. And I want always fresh ideas. Uh, as you know, I'm not getting any younger. Uh, and young people have so many new ways of doing things. And also, if I want to appeal to a younger uh, demographic, which is a lot of our employees are, uh, you need to speak their language. You need to know what will uh, help them be more engaged during those things. This is what you need in order for things to stick, in order for things to, to change. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know any, everything. Uh, I mean, I have, some ex- I have more experience, but I don't know everything. And I, I don't want you to. That's why I hire you. Do you tell me what I'm supposed to do? Mm-hmm. So um, this is a very, uh, I don't know if it was a democratic way, but a brainstorming that is everybody's going to be heard equally. You know, what it sounds like is collaborative. You want folks to give their input, so you're not sitting on high making all these decisions that impact them with no. Not fun. It's not fun. So, and you know, I'm just thinking how my guess is that's how you like to be able to give input to other people too. And so, yeah, the the kind of the common theme that just you know to me is coming from you so much is you thrive in a learning environment where you Completely. yourself are able to Nailed it. stand and then everyone around you, you take great joy in watching them grow and expand as well. Meredith, do you want to be my shrink? You're just onto me already. It's like, you know me <laughs> very quickly. Well, you practice the transparency, right? You'll yes, exactly. You're open. And I just love that. I love your energy. I love your commitment to your team. And my guess is when you bring somebody on board, they love working with you and they stick around because I hope so. it's an environment where they can thrive. Am I yeah. with that? Yeah. I, you're, you're spot on. Um, I think most of the people who are under me would, would say that the same way. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, we'll never leave you. So yeah, right. You'll never leave me. We'll see. 
but uh, I just manage people the way I want to be managed. And I want to give people full autonomy to make their own decision, even though sometimes I think they're going to make a mistake. But this is their path. This is their journey. I'm just here as a coach, as a mentor to support them. Um, and sometimes a lot of my employees come in and, and, and say, I think this is the right decision. I think I'll, I'll go with this. And I'll challenge them as well, even though I, I might think the same as they do. But I will say, well, but if we do this, because I want them to kind of, again, like a shrink, uh, trying to get, because the answer is within them. Yeah. I just need to ask the right questions as a coach, those, those uh, impactful questions for them to be able to get to the solution themselves instead of me telling them what to do or giving them a solution. Yes, I love that you brought up that you one of the roles you play as the leader of your team is coach. Because, you know, today I think that's so critical for Very. any level of manager to see that coaching is one of the key things that they need to do with their mm -hmm. people. Some are resistant. It's like, oh, I have to put on one more hat as opposed to seeing it as an integral part of how they work with the people on their team. Is that something that's yeah. natural for you that you have always no. enjoyed doing or did you have to learn? No. You, you have to learn. I mean, I'm a lifelong learner. You know, I came from academia. I didn't know what coaching, leadership training, all these type of things. I had to learn things myself. I did online training. I did certifications. I was able to also work uh, with great vendors that I learned from them as well. Um, I'm very collaborative. Uh, I'm like a sponge. I love just like getting more and more knowledge, seeing as many options as possible, as many ways of doing things as possible. Because uh, also in every org that I worked for, I did things completely different because it's a different company. It's a different culture. It's a different people, different leadership. So it's not like, uh, oh, I'm just going to do copy paste what I did at this company and now this that company. I'm doing research. I really trying to get to the people, understand them, understand who the audience is. I understand what are the, the needs, what will move the needle as quick as possible, what needs to change, what needs to be impacted. And, and this is how I go. And, and, and again, I'm a very people's person. Um, and this is why I also left academia because I felt a bit lonely there. And, and, and here I get to meet a lot of people, talk to a lot of people, really get feedback. And, 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 and giving and, and, and receiving feedback is one of uh, Wix's huge um, uh, ways of, of leadership. Uh, and, and this is something that's so crucial uh, to do an ongoing feedback and not just have a performance review once in every six months. Uh, it's the, it's a conversation. It's a meaningful conversation and the constant feedback. And this is what really helps us grow and learn. Mm. Speaking my language. <laughs> I love yes. that. I think that's so critical. Uh, and, and of course that ties in with, with the coaching and mentoring of, of employees as being yeah. willing to give them both positive and constructive feedback and also be open to receiving that. Yeah. Because that, again, sets the stage that you mentioned earlier around safety and transparency. And, of course, that then encourages high performance because people can give their best when they feel that they are supported and you've got their back. I love the way you have the back of your people. <laughs> you. I'm doing my best. That's That's what I can do. Just doing my best. That's wonderful. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you would love to share with 
my listeners before we wrap up? Um, you know, we, we covered a lot. Um, I think that, um, you know, what I want to say is that, um, you know, the new L&D professional persona uh, can come from a non-traditional background. Um, I think a lot, when I remember when I interviewed for a, a few companies, once they said, but well, you have a PhD in science, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, no, I don't think you're the right person. And, if, and I don't want to work at a company like that as well. So it's, it's really about uh, what kind of skill set a person brings to the table. What's their passion? Um, yes, for some roles, you need to have minimum skill set and, 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 and experience. But again, I'm always, if you want to make a big change, if you want to bring something new and fresh, you have to think outside of the box. And that also uh, about hiring. A lot of people transition to L&D from different types of, of, of roles. It can be a business role. It could be a marketing role. It can be even product management roles. I mean, you need to think about what those people bring to the table. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, this is how I, I hire. This is where I want our uh, L&D industry to be able to do, to embrace people, uh, to have diverse uh, 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 the diverse community uh, that bring a lot of different skill set and 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 uh, perspectives. So uh, yeah, I think that's really really important because again, if you see my resume at the beginning, it's a, this is an L and D professional. No, that's 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 impossible. Uh, but um, luckily for me, I, I, I worked with companies that uh, a believe in me, give me the full autonomy to do whatever I want to do. Um, and I was able to prove them that I'm able to achieve uh, a lot and even more than what they expected. So That's great. Uh, thank you for that addition. And I can see that being so true for you, the energy that you bring, the ability to harness that in a way, because you're, a, I, I can just tell you're a big picture person being able to see and you take the time to learn where is the business trying to go? And so how can I then contribute with my team to get them there in this particular area? And anyone who's talking to you as a potential hire that can sense that from you, you know, to me, that's such an asset. And I can see where that's what you would look for and value in other people, no matter what their background was, if they're teachable, if they are wanting yeah. to if they come to you with the core competencies as a human being and yes. have the, the learning uh, openness, then my guess is you can help them develop into yeah. whatever role it is you want them to play. Exactly. When there's a will, there's a way. Uh, <laughs> and everybody can learn Addy or Patrick or whatever it, it, it takes to, to do certain things. You just need the, 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 pers the right person to to have that passion and, and that motivation to do it and understand the value uh, that you bring by doing this. Mm -hmm. That's great. Eli, thank you so much. Thank you. I had so much fun. Today, this was so great. Tell people how they can connect with you because I know you put out lots of great content and how they can yes. learn more about your work at Wix and about Wix itself. Well, you know, you can go obviously to Wix.com uh, to look at the great things that Wix is doing. Uh, also follow them on LinkedIn. I'm mostly on LinkedIn. I love networking with people in the industry. I also speak at a lot of conferences. I go a lot to the CLOs ones and uh, Concero. I even had the opportunity to give a talk at the latest DevLearn in Vegas. 
Um, so I just a very, as you see, very friendly guy. If people need my advice or anything, they approach me. I'm always there to help and, and to, uh, um, kind of give my advice on anything. Reach out on LinkedIn. I write a lot of things on LinkedIn as well, articles and other things that will, uh, obviously, uh, help a lot of people that have, uh, some struggle with data, how to hire and, and know a little bit more about me and my story. So, uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. That's great. And we're going to also put uh, a link to your article in Forbes called Six Ingredients to the Culture Infused Learning at Wix. That was a great yes. article. And I want thank uh, you. listeners to be able to access that. So thank you again, Eli, for what thank you're doing, you for who you are and all oh. the points <laughs> you bring. I'm going to cry now. I just love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com and check out our two books, Connect With Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. While you're there, download the free facilitator guide to find out how to implement our unique peer coaching system. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.